What do you do when you set boundaries with someone and they don't follow through with them? This is the question that was sent in to me for today's Q&A episode, and I wanted to spend some time with this because I think a lot of us can really relate to this position where it feels like you did the brave thing of speaking up and saying what you need or asking for what you want to be different, but the person just walks all over the limits that you set with them anyways. This is the Is It Me or Is It Them podcast, and I'm your host, April Boyd, and I'm a therapist and coach, and I'm so happy that you're here listening to this with me today. We're going to get into some questions that you can ask yourself if you were in a position like this one where somebody just keeps walking over the boundaries that you set with them. And you need to find a new way to position yourself and maybe problem solve some of that dynamic that's happening. I want to remind everybody, of course, that this episode and none of these podcast episodes are intended to replace individual therapy or individual coaching. This is really just for education purposes as I share some ideas and some things for you to consider that I would love for you to filter through your own gut instincts, your own wisdom, and to see what parts of this really offer you something for your own unique position. And feel free to leave away the parts that maybe don't resonate for you because everybody's experience is so very different. So obviously I can't give the same level of suggestions or support that I would if we were doing a one-to-one session in these kind of Q&A episodes, but they are something that I love to do because I think there's a lot of universal themes that we all bump up against and that we can all benefit from just starting to unpack some of these things in, in more of a general way. So the question that was sent in to me says, What do you do when you set boundaries with someone and they don't follow through with them? I'm specifically having problems with my in-laws. For example, I'm incredibly sensitive to smells like laundry detergent and perfume. We asked my mother-in-law to please not wear any scented products when she comes to our house, but every time she comes, she smells of these things and I get a pounding headache. This happens even when we remind her before every time she comes over. We're trying hard to set boundaries and she continues to do what she wants to do, regardless of how it affects me and my husband. It's gotten to the point where every interaction with her, whether it's a phone call or an in-person visit, is something that I dread and is so stressful on both me and my husband. I'm really worried it's going to start to affect my relationship with my husband, and this is really hard stuff. So I'm just kind of paraphrasing here and moving through. I'm sorry this has been such a long-winded question, but would so appreciate your thoughts on this. Your podcast is such a delight to listen to, and it's been so helpful for me. Thank you so much for sharing all of that with me. And of course, I'm not going to go through all the details just to protect people's privacy and confidentiality through this. But here are some ideas that I want you to check in and just think about. Filter it through your own wisdom, your own situation with whoever it is that you might be dealing with in your life that has been a boundary bulldozer. So 
The first question that I always want to ask when I'm talking with somebody about these kinds of situations is for you to check in and really ask yourself, have you been crystal clear, crystal, crystal clear? And in this case, it sounds like she probably has, but I want to really share with you that so often when I'm talking with people about boundary setting, the response that I often hear is, you know, I've definitely, I've been so clear with them. But as we actually kind of move through the conversations, what becomes apparent is that they were more so dropping hints about what they were looking for or what they needed. And when we can kind of just look at, you know, this question of, have I been very clear and direct in my request? It's just something to check in and notice. The other thing that I want to ask is, how have you been enforcing the boundaries? Because if we say to somebody, you know, this is actually a really big deal for me. I'm really impacted by scents, being around people who are wearing scents. So we'd love to have you to come visit, but please remember that you can't put on perfume before you come here. So if you say something like that to somebody, and they show up at your house wearing perfume anyways, and you continue to welcome them in, seat them down at the table, pour them a cup of tea, what your behavior is really saying is, it's okay that you disregard my requests. It's not that big a deal anyways. So when we set a boundary with somebody and we don't enforce the boundary, we end up discrediting ourselves, And it can be really frustrating because, of course, <laughs> in a perfect world, you would set the boundary and somebody would just get it. But as we know, that's often not the case for a lot of different reasons. So notice where you've been failing to enforce your own boundary and where you've been sending mixed messages, possibly with your words versus your actions, right? It's a mixed message. My word is, I can't be around people who wear scents. But my action is, I'm going to sit here and endure being around people wearing scents, even though I feel nauseous and I have a pounding headache. So some people will just take the path of least resistance, right? Which means, ah, she seems fine. It's not that big a deal, right? And then they continue to do what they want to do. And this is really hard because what this means and what makes this so uncomfortable is when somebody basically walks over that line and then we're put into the difficult position of not just having to do the brave thing of asking for what we need, but now having to really enforce that boundary, it can get really uncomfortable and really stressful because we risk that they take it the wrong way. We risk that now we have moved out of the position of possibly being the kind of person we want to be. I want to be easygoing. I don't want to cause conflict. I don't want to create a lot of drama. But now the ball is in my court where I've already asked you not to do something and now I'm being put in the position of having to risk those things. It feels awful, right? But we could also just really take a moment to notice 
that if you set a boundary with somebody or enforce a boundary with somebody and they freak out, right? They get they go into a state of being angry or they take it as an attack or it blows up into a really big deal or they judge you or attack you, right? Or get mad at you, whatever that is. Please take a moment to notice that any and all of those things are just validation for how very badly you absolutely needed to set a boundary with this person. It is just validation that this is not somebody that is going to be considerate or flexible or empathetic to the other people around them. Definitely somebody who requires a lot of boundaries. So one of the ways that we can start to look at enforcing the boundary, because I think this is the other conversation that kind of gets omitted a lot around boundary work. We kind of get told this idea that if you just set the boundary, you just do the brave thing and speak up, then you've done your work for this and now it all works out okay. But really, the other part of boundaries is absolutely having to enforce it. Because otherwise, it's like when you change, let's say you you know, are putting your kids to bed, if you have children, and you say, okay, bedtime is at 7 p.m. or bedtime is at 8 p.m., it's time to go to bed. You have to go and round them up and direct them into the process of going to bed. And it actually works the same with a lot of adults too. It actually just works the exact same way in a lot of our other interactions where it's not just enough to speak up and say it. We have to remind people of that. We have to be prepared to enforce the boundary. So you can listen to one of my previous episodes where I talked about how I was a boundary bulldozer for somebody uh, in several occasions without even really realizing that I was doing that. So we have to be careful about this tendency of thinking that just because we've set the boundary once that it's a done deal. And instead, we know that we need to really keep reminding and holding this accountable. And so again, this is not just specifically about this person's situation. This is really just generally, right? Because in some ways it does sound like this person has um, repeated the boundary. What potentially has been missing is reinforcing the boundary, right? So when you tell your kids to go to bed and they still go to start to put on another TV show or continue to play with their toys or whatever it is that they're doing, we know, right, the ball's in your court to now enforce the boundary. And we forget that the same thing applies with adults. It just does. So here's one of the strategies that you can consider using to enforce boundaries. You can hold up the mirror. When you hold up what I call holding up a mirror, what you're really just doing is in a very clear, kind, honest, and direct way, reflecting back to somebody the truth of what is happening in a moment. And when we do this, we move out of the position of being somebody who maybe falls into people pleasing, maybe is really afraid of conflict, maybe, you know, has some concerns about putting their own needs, you know, really on the table. And we move into this position of my needs matter, my requests matter. So when we hold the mirror, 
we're just reflecting back to somebody the truth of what's happening in the moment instead of falling into that people pleaser position of or conflict avoider position of now pretending that they're fine, pretending that something horrible is not actually happening in this moment or something offensive is not actually happening in that moment when it is. So when you hold up the mirror, that could sound like something like, when I ask you to not wear scents before you come over and you continue to come over wearing perfume, it looks like you don't actually care that you're literally causing me physical pain. Is that what's happening here? So notice what goes through you, even as you're listening to that kind of mirroring of what's happening in that moment. We're just holding up the mirror. And if you've been somebody where it's not really been okay to set boundaries in your life, where you have experienced people push back, or you maybe you grew up in family dinamics where you know, we all kind of just collude and turn a blind eye to maybe some of the unhealthy things that are happening around us, it can feel really uncomfortable to start to know that it's often okay to just speak the truth of what is happening in a moment. Notice how this is not the same as attacking this person or coming out in a judging, aggressive, you know, um, ready for conflict kind of stance or looking for conflict kind of stance. All we're actually doing is reflecting back the truth of what is happening in any given moment. It's kind of like speaking to the elephant in the room, right? And I really love and respect when you see people who speak to the elephant in the room. It is just, in many ways, such an act of taking care of the entire circle, right? To really be able to stand in this place of honesty and self-protection and possibly even group protection. Here's the truth of what's happening in this moment. And this is a way where we can hold someone accountable kindly, but directly, directly, which is very different than when we kind of fall into that place of, you know, trying to express our frustration with, you know, maybe just our behavior, right? Where we say, and I don't know, obviously, that this is the case of what's happening with this person, but when we say, oh my goodness, I need to open a window, like I'm so not feeling good with this perfume and this right now, right? Or I'm getting a headache. So notice how that person still kind of gets to be off the hook because they still, you've given them room to opt out of responding to and addressing the actual problem that's continuing to happen. See how that's very different? Oh my goodness, I need to open a window. I'm getting such a headache here. They don't have to respond. Easily they can opt out. Hey, so when I ask you not to wear scents and you continue to do it, it looks like you don't take my request seriously. Is that true? Very different. The other thing that I'd encourage you to think about is what's the story that you've been telling yourself about the other person and what's happening here? Now, I think it's very true 
that when someone shows you who they are, you need to believe them. So if somebody has continued to cross your boundaries over and over again, we need to believe that they are showing us that they are a person who does not really take other people's needs seriously or are not really willing or able to adapt. And I don't know who said this quote, not to give proper credit for in this moment, but it's just so true. When someone, when someone shows you who they are, you need to believe them. And when we can let ourselves believe them, then we can move into a different position. But we want to make sure that first, we're not villainizing the other person involved. Because sometimes what I see happens is it's so uncomfortable and it's so frustrating when we try to set a boundary and someone bulldozes it. Or even I've seen people really villainize even just the fact that they have to set a boundary at all, right? They instantly are mad at the other person for putting them in the position of having to vil- having to set a boundary. And this thing kicks in where we kind of villainize that other person in our mind. And I get why we sometimes need to do that because it's kind of like amping ourselves up, right? It's kind of like reassuring ourselves that we have the right to speak up for ourselves. We have the right to protect ourselves and our needs matter. But if you notice that tendency happening to you, I want you to just really take a breath and consider you do not need to justify, explain, defend the fact that you just need what you need, that you're a human being and you are allowed to just be impacted by things as a human being is. And it can be excruciating vulnerable when you're someone who is impacted by something that other people are not impacted by (laughs) because we risk being the problem child in the group. We risk being the one that affects the system, right? And requires change of the system. And that can be really vulnerable. It can also feel really vulnerable to let our needs and desires and preferences be seen and to let our full selves be known. Not just the version of me that's okay with everything and is so easygoing that, like, I don't even need to have boundaries, but the version of me that is impacted, right? That is going to be bothered by things, that inevitably is going to feel the impact of things that are happening around me. So there's a lot of reasons why someone may be unwilling or unable to respect your boundary. It doesn't mean that that's okay, but I want you to just consider when we move through this, and we're in a really emotionally charged state where we're villainizing the other person or we've kind of gone into this whole story of, you know, the fact that they're horrible and they're out to get me and, you know, yada, yada, yada. (laughs) Then we're not really able to hold our own power. We end up with a lot of scattered energy and a lot of victimized kind of emotions going around and playing out this story where we are the victim and they are the villainizer, which is super disempowering, incredibly disempowering. So I want you to just try to 
look at the story you've been telling yourself. And if there's a more empowering, more open story that you could consider. So there's a lot of reasons why someone could be unwilling or unable to respect your boundary. What I've definitely seen to be true is when you are dealing with somebody who does not actually allow their own self to have boundaries in their life, they don't let other people have them either. And they'll see it as an attack, right? If you're dealing with somebody who also has their own people-pleasing issues, their own worthiness issues. And it might be hard to see on the surface because sometimes people, you know, cover that up with like really self-absorbed kind of behaviors. But often when we kind of dig under that, we can kind of see that, you know, they are acting out some stuff, right? It's kind of that idea that hurt people hurt people. And people that can't set boundaries don't let other people set boundaries either and see boundaries as an attack against them. And other people are just really, truly terrible at empathy. They're not able to hold in their mind the perspective and impact that something might be having on somebody else just because they're not feeling it directly. Lots of reasons of why this could be happening. The other thing that often sometimes happens in in in-law relationships is that there is a power struggle that gets activated. Anytime you bring a new person into an existing circle, that circle is called upon to adjust and expand and change. You can't just have one person merge into and get absorbed into the existing circle and framework, right? Without any changes happening. And if you have somebody, let's say the in-law, the mother-in-law, the sister-in-law, the father-in-law, whoever that is, that is working with this model that says, okay, it's fine that you're coming into this family circle. You're welcome here. As long as you don't disrupt anything, as long as you don't change anything, as long as you don't touch anything, I like it the way it is, don't touch a thing. That is a very rigid system. You're welcome here as long as all of my expectations continue to be met, as long as all of our rituals and traditions stay the same, as long as you don't disrupt anything or take anything away from me. The system that actually, and obviously that creates a whole lot of conflict and a whole lot of hurt feelings and a whole lot of chaos. The other kind of option is the flexible system. The flexible system allows there and knows that there is going to be change. Knows that the primary attachment shifts from mother to wife or parent to partner. That is the flexible system. The flexible system acknowledges that some of the rules, some of the ways of doing things, some of the expectations, some of the traditions are going to change now. And when that can be allowed to happen and supported as just being a natural and inevitable thing, 
then really great relationships can be built from that place of safety and trust and mutual respect and understanding. Flexible system. The other thing that I want to keep people to keep in mind is it can sometimes feel really urgent to resolve the problems and the conflicts. But I think it can be helpful to remember you actually have a marathon relationship with these people, which is part of what makes it so risk-filled. Oh my goodness, if this goes badly, I'm stuck with these people, right? But on the flip side of that is you've got a lot of time to build an authentic, safe, boundaried relationship. I look at the relationship that my mom has with my aunt, her sister-in-law, and they are truly friends. They truly enjoy each other's company. There's truly mutual support that happens. They seem very close. And as I look at them, I have to remind myself sometimes that that relationship has been cultivated over 40 years, (laughs) 40 years of figuring out where each other's edges are, 40 years of figuring out what each person needs to feel safe and welcomed into these relationships, 40 years of navigating boundaries, tense moments, who knows what right? But 40 years of negotiating and learning about each other and relationship building. So please just take that as a little bit of a reminder that you are in a long-term race right now. This is a marathon. This is not a short sprint. The other question that I want you to look at, how have you been giving your power away? And how can you take your power back. So when I'm having an interaction with somebody who is not, who is showing me that they are not really able to respect my boundaries, as we talked about before, I'm going to take in that information, right? When people show you who they are, you need to believe them. So once you've kind of done all those other things of being really clear, giving them the reminders, and they're still not really willing to allow a flexible system to exist or to allow for a win-win relationship to happen, whatever that is. I mean, who knows what their issue is. (laughs) But when, when I'm in a position where someone is not respecting my boundaries and there's a significant history of that, even when there's not a significant history of that, just enough of a history that I know that to be true, I claim full responsibility right? In my best moments, I am claiming full responsibility for my boundaries and my needs when I know that I'm going to be around them. So there's times when I might not attend. There's times when I might drive my own car so that I'm free to leave when I want to. There's times when I might attend for all but not part. There might be some locations that feel more comfortable or safe to hang out in than others. So notice when we move through this to consider instead of placing the full locus of control and power in the hands of the mother-in-law who continues to wear perfume, whoever that person represents in your life right now as you're listening to this, consider the ways that you have kind of thrown yourself under the bus and been at the mercy of 
whether she chooses to be considerate or self-aware or not, right? Whether she chooses to respect your boundaries that day or not. Please notice that in that dynamic, there now becomes two people not respecting your needs and your boundaries, them and you. (laughs) So I want you to consider what would this look like without having to turn it into a big thing, without having this to be a big emotional experience. What would this look like if I was just taking full responsibility for the fact that I need to be in a scent-free zone? Maybe when you get out, get together with them, you go for picnics or walks outside or meet up somewhere where you're able to take your own car and leave. Notice the tendency that we have to take full power and the full responsibility for whether I'm going to be sick to my stomach today or not or whether I'm going to endure something that doesn't feel right for me. And we put that into the other person's hands, despite the fact that they may have a very significant track record showing that they're not actually willing or able, whichever one of those it is, to actually handle that responsibly. So whose responsibility is that? It's yours. It is yours. And notice that while part of you might be feeling a little bit anxious about that, please notice that part of you is so capable, is so worthy, and is so wise. She knows what she needs to feel safe. And often the conflicts that happen with our partners around that are not caused because you're making new decisions to respect your own boundaries, but because we're pulling our partners to get into the middle of it. He needs to completely understand or she needs to completely understand why I feel this way and that my need is valid and that this is a really big deal and that we need to somehow convince his mom to do this differently, right? Notice how that becomes really stressful, really risky conflict, risking conversations, right? Lots of stress, lots of drama happening in that where we're applying pressure on our partners to again, somehow be able to take responsibility or fix the things that are not working to take care of our own selves. I was thinking of, I've seen this with so many uh, different clients, but I was thinking of, um, I think I'd actually done a podcast episode on this, but where really the woman was able to start setting different boundaries with her in-laws. Oh, I think it was called stop sending your partner to deal with your in-laws, right? So you definitely need to check that episode out because there's some really good strategies and tips in there about how you can start to rejig these dysfunctional relationship dynamics with your in-laws without causing tension and problems with your partner. In fact, they're going to help you to create way more peace for everybody involved, your partner included. 
So I hope you found that useful today. If you did, I would love it if you took a screenshot, shared it on Instagram, and tagged me at withloveapril, or shared this with somebody that you know would really benefit from listening to that. I would really love that because both of those things would help me get this work out into the ears of other people who could benefit from being a part of these conversations. Thank you so much. If you have a question for me, again, feel free to DM me on Insta. I can't always respond to um, every request that I get, but I really love hearing from you and, and it could be the topic of a future episode of this podcast. All right, chat soon. Take care, guys.